This Breakfast with Ben's podcast on the Fans First Network brought to you by Gerger Construction. It's not too soon to start planning your dream deck. They build decks year-round, and they're booking into spring and summer 2024. Gerger Construction is a small burg business specializing in decks, pergolas, railings, and fencing. Fully insured, licensed, and now offering financing options. Go to GergerConstruction.com to get your free project estimate or to schedule your deck safety inspection today. On the Fans First Network, Tim Benz with you. It is the Breakfast with Benz podcast. As always, we like to go to the other sideline and see what's going on with the opponent for the Steelers in the week that will be, the game that will be this week. Steelers on the road in Houston taking on the Texans. And joining us right now for a preview from Sports Radio 610 in Houston. He's the co-host of Payne and Pendergast. It's Sean Pendergast. Sean, thanks so much for taking some time to join us. Greatly appreciate it. Before we start talking X's and O's football stuff with the Texans and the Steelers, what do you think will happen in terms of the broadcast for this game? Do you think the cutaways of what family members will be greater or less than Taylor Swift last week at Kansas City? Boy, that is a great prop bet. I think it's tough to be. I didn't get to watch, the obviously, the Kansas City-Chicago game in its entirety, but if the amount of times it was shown on the highlights, Taylor Swift is any reflection of how much it was shown during the game. I think the Watt family's got a tough task, but I think that even you, you're hitting on the big story, Tim, with this game, at least here locally, um, is that, yeah, this is J.J. Watt going into the ring of honor for the Houston Texans, just the second player and third person to go into the team's ring of honor. And this is really J.J.'s kind of first trip back to NRG Stadium in any material capacity since leaving as a player following the 2020 season. So, this is a it's a huge week, and obviously with his family in the building, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be a special day, no doubt about that. Have people in advance of the number, the name being retired, put up in the Ring of Honor, whatever it is, have people in Houston obsessed over the prospect of him coming back to the Texans out of retirement, like they have here in Pittsburgh, for him to play a year with TJ, or has that just been restricted to us? I think it's just restricted to you guys because I think we've got a pretty good feel that JJ is is done with football and and i think too the texans are still in a rebuilding mode and i said so i think people in houston are very realistic about uh not just jj but the stage that this franchise is at that any player great player in their waning years would would come here although the arrow is definitely pointed up to the texans because i think the quarterback and i know we'll talk about that the quarterback is coming along a lot faster than we thought he would but that has not been a topic at all in fact the bigger topic with jj was after D'Amico Ryans, his former teammate, got the head coaching job. <laughs> There's people who actually thought J.J. would want to spend 16 hours a day throughout the fall <laughs> coaching the defensive line for D'Amico Ryans, which to me, that's, to me, that's an even bigger absurdity than him actually coming back to play would be him taking about a 90% pay cut to spend about uh, triple the time in the building coaching guys. Well, if you want absurd, what I think should happen is the Steelers should sign Derek Watt this week and then trade him at halftime to the Texans so he can play for both teams for one day. I right? love that. I'm st- hey, hey, Tim, I'm stealing that from you just so you know tomorrow. <laughs> sort of let you know. <laughs> um, is Watt, is, is he mean Joe Green? I mean, is, is he Houston's icon? Is he Earl Campbell? Is he Warren Moon? Did he attain that status in Houston as a player? Without question. Yeah, without question. And it's strange in some ways, I would imagine, at least especially for people in in a city like Pittsburgh, where the team is super successful, has multiple Super Bowls, wins every year. 
that that a, a guy who, while a great player, was on a team that largely didn't really accomplish much at all a, as a franchise during his time as a player in a city where, yeah, the baseball team has actually won a couple World Series and the basketball team has actually won two NBA championships and has been largely successful over the last 25 or 30 years. The Texans have not been that during their time. They've had a few little upticks, and J.J. was around for a few of those. But I would say in the in – the, I'll call it the modern era, Tim. I'll say like from 2000 on, this century we'll just call it, um, because I think Hakeem Olajuwon is probably the all-timer in this town, you know, just going back to the 90s with the Rockets and the 80s with Vice Slam and Jamma. But as far as like the 2000s, the social media era, if you will, it's J.J. Watt and Jose Altuve, and then it's a big drop-off from those two guys, I think, as far as – icons go in this town and I think a lot of it with Jose Altuve it's the Cinderella story and the fact that his team has won championships with JJ it's the individual greatness and I think also the off the field stuff I mean for every story that you hear of JJ being philanthropic you know people know about the Hurricane Harvey and all the 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 money that he raised for Hurricane Harvey um, and the various charitable endeavors that he's had but I can tell you for every one of those there's five to ten that have happened you know, they haven't seen the light of day that you just hear about anecdotally. He's a super generous person. He's obviously a, a great football player. It's him and Jose Altuve as far as icons go in this current century we're in. Last thing on this, then we'll get to football, but just because you said it and it is now seized in my mind and I have to speak it into truth because th- this is where I am with the Steelers right now. Yeah. Like, I'm afraid that the similarities between these two, the winning yeah. part of it, that parallel might continue, and, and that's fortunate and unfortunate because Watt had a great career, T.J. Watt's having a great career, but he doesn't know postseason success either. In fact, J.J., I believe, has more because they, he at least won a playoff game or two, right? Uh, yeah, he was part of four different playoff victories. Victories, you know, they won, yeah. Yeah, they, they made it to the divisional round four times with J.J. They won. They had to play a wild card round game each of those times so yeah they they've won playoff games not a ton but and, and tj has it and that's and that's the yeah. alarming thing here in pittsburgh like we're talking about where does this guy rank all time in steelers defensive player history with guys like i said mean joe green jack lambert troy palomalu uh james harrison's up for the hall of fame as a, was a semifinalist last year and he just broke his record and he doesn't have a playoff win yet and that's just yeah it's hard to do a comp in this town with a guy like that with the names that i just referenced yeah, it's a really empty feeling, Tim, you know, because we experience the same thing with Andre Johnson. You know, Andre Johnson, oh, good point. Yeah. you know, Andre Johnson is a he should be in the Hall of Fame and he may get into the Hall of Fame. He's only been on the ballot a couple of years, but he's made it to the very, very end of the process each time. And he'll probably make it to the end of the process again. I think eventually Andre Johnson gets in. But, you know, when you have all these when, when your iconic moments come in week two against Washington, or they come with a three-sack game against Jacksonville in week 16. Like when they're not, you know, James Harrison has a hundred-yard return for a touchdown that swung a Super Bowl. All those older iconic Steelers have myriad of Super Bowl moments. It's a, it's, I could tell you just as a as a fan, you know, I'm I'm a media member, but I'm a fan of the team too, and I'm a huge fan of JJ Watt and Andre Johnson. It's a really empty feeling to watch football in January and February and know that these guys never got to experience anything remotely close to that. And they, and, and as players, those are guys that feel like they, they should have had at least a few moments in that environment and they never came close. It's a very empty feeling. Sean Pendergast with his sports radio 610 in Houston. You can check him out on Twitter at Sean T Pendergast. 
So, Sean, for this week, uh, when it comes to Steelers and Texans, we keep hearing around here, I think the phrase that Tomlin might have used is like the bone structure is in good place for them to do what it sounds like D'Amico Ryans wants to do with bringing over San Francisco principles. Um, is that happening? Do you see that coalescing? And is it just a matter of over the next couple of years finding the right players to fill those spots in the way the team was built in San Fran? Yeah, you can definitely see it. You can you can see what's at work here. You know, and coalescing is a great word. You you can see it coalescing. I think I think the impediment so far to maybe it coalescing even better early on have been injuries. They've they're decimated on the offensive line, which I'm I'm sure everybody up in Pittsburgh rightfully is licking their chops at that notion with uh, Alex Highsmith and T.J. Watt getting ready to come off the edge this weekend. The Texans are going to be missing Laramie Tunsil and Titus Howard, both of their tackles. Their offensive line that they're going to trot out in this game is going to have four guys playing in it that were not starters coming into training camp for this team. And in fact, it, I would say three of those positions, left tackle, left guard, and center, they're they're down to the third choice. You know, They're not even playing their second stringers at this point. They're, we don't know who's going to play left tackle because their second stringer, Josh Jones, is out. Um, and their left guard position has been a circus, but it's Kendrick Green right now, who you guys are familiar with. He's their left guard, inactive for 17 games last year for you guys. And then they're playing rookie Jared Patterson, who's actually been pretty good at center, but he was a six-round pick out of Notre Dame. Um, so kind of a long answer to your question, but that's been the big impediment to, to really seeing the San Francisco principles offensively play out is that Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator, has had to kind of work around that. He's actually done a really good job of it. Maybe the San Francisco principles are playing out perfectly because that's always been a foundation of San Francisco is to find a way to work around the different deficiencies that injuries might bring. C.J. Stroud's been really good. He's picked things up quickly. And I think on the defensive side, this is definitely a team that's got D'Amico Ryan's fingerprints on it in terms of just how physical they play. Their tackling could probably use a little improvement at the linebacker position, but he brought over Jimmy Ward with him at the safety position from San Francisco, and Jimmy Ward has been a real tone setter for this team. So, yeah, you can absolutely see what it is that D'Amico Ryans is trying to do with this team. I want to go to the Kendrick Green angle because, like what you said about the prospect of Highsmith and Watt really going to town this weekend, I see that as well, but... I would love to see like Larry Joby, Keanu Benton do some heavy lifting of their own this week, particularly in the run game to control that angle of the line of scrimmage. So Watt and Highsmith can really get going because we saw it all with green. I mean, I, I know that he felt like he was playing out of position when he was a center, but the fact that he gets overpowered to the degree that he does size-wise, that, that translates to guard, too. And I, I don't know what you – it sounded to me like Ryans was talking him up, but it also sounded to me like he was talking him up as if he was discussing the tape that they saw of him coming out of Illinois. Like, he's his tenacity, he's, he's good when he gets to the second level, he's got speed, he finishes his blocks, all that. But it's how often he gets pushed back into his own quarterback that's the issue. Yeah, I mean, and and he's been okay. I mean, look, these are all backups. Other than Shaq Mason at right guard, it's all backups playing right now. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, look, I, I don't think you guys are going to have much of a problem stifling the Texans' run game because none of their first three opponents have had a problem stifling the run game. This team can't run the football right now. They just can't. They, they had their best game running the football against Jacksonville last Sunday in the game that they won. They averaged 3.3 yards per carry. So at this point... 
the run game for them offensively is just something to set up more manageable third downs. They had 15 third downs in that game against Jacksonville. They went nine for 15. CJ Stroud's really, really good on third down throwing the football. Um, but this is a team that can't really run the football uh, right now. They haven't been able to run the football the last few years, but they haven't been able to do it yet in Bobby Slowick's offense. So, yeah, it's it's a major issue. Um, C.J. Stroud took a bunch of sacks in the first two games of the year. He took 11 sacks in the first two games. He's had two he strip no sacks, sacks too, right? Two fumbles and strip yeah, sacks. Yeah, well, he had one. He had one strip sack uh, early in the game um, that, that was a turnover. They may have stripped him one other time in the game, but there, there was one that was a turnover early in the game that really put the Texans behind the eight ball against Indianapolis and allowed Indianapolis to get a two-score lead in the first five or six minutes of that game. Stroud's been generally really good at protecting the football. He hasn't thrown any picks yet. He's thrown the ball a ton so far this year. Um, I, they're going to look, they're probably not going to be able to run the football all that well. They're going to need CJ Stroud to get things out quickly so that he doesn't have TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith and the two guys, two, three guys you just named on the interior coming at him here. The good news is I think for CJ Stroud is he's used to this. He's, he's dealt with three muddy pockets, three games worth, I should say of muddy pockets and I think his ability to handle pressure from up the middle, pressure from off the edge, just pressure in general, and and work the pocket has exceeded anybody's expectations because he didn't have to do that a whole lot at Ohio State. You know, he's he, you know other than the Michigan game and maybe one other game each year, and then obviously that playoff game against Georgia where he was scintillating. Um, you know, things came pretty easy for that Ohio State offense. You could argue he had better receivers at Ohio State than he might have on the Texans right now. Um, so. That's been a that, I mean that's been a godsend really because the offensive line has not played well for the Texans. They played better in the pass game than the run game, but CJ Stroud, his ability to anticipate and work the pocket has really been next level stuff. Well, let's talk about those receivers quickly. Dell Woods and Collins. You know, there's been at least one receiver that's gone off against the Steelers in each of these three games. It was Ayuk in Week One. It was Cooper in Week Two, and then frankly, Myers and Devontae Adams both went off against the Steelers in week three out in Vegas. Um, who's the biggest threat against Pittsburgh this week? Is it Dell now, or is it still Collins, who was particularly good against Indy? Yeah, I think it was – I think it's probably Nico Collins just because what Nico does is going to work, I think, a little more consistent, uh, consistently than what Tank Dell's strength is. Now, look, Tank Dell is somebody who can certainly catch intermediate routes. He moved the chains a couple times on Sunday – but his stats were largely piled up by two deep shots that C.J. Stroud took. One was a coverage bust. It was a 68-yard touchdown that kind of sealed the game for the Texans. And the other was a 43-yard deep shot in between three defenders where C.J. Stroud just dropped it in the bucket on the Texans' second series that got them down to the one-yard line and allowed them to get a lead in that game early in the game. I don't know how much they're going to be able to work the deep game against Pittsburgh just because of the pass rush. So, Collins has become kind of CJ's go-to guy for the slants, the the chain movers, the intermediate stuff, and he's really good after the catch. Nico Collins. I mean, if you watch him, if you look at him, he's a specimen. He's six three, you know, two twenty. He's been in an NFL weight room now for a couple of years, and wherever he catches the ball, you can count on him getting another five or ten yards, either because he's just you know he's running free or he's running over guys. So I would say Collins is probably the bigger concern just because what he does, I think, is something that probably you can count on a little more consistently than getting the deep shots that you're hitting to tank, Dell. 
Sean, great stuff, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. What's the word there as far as the ticket sales go? I keep seeing online that it's not going to quite be what it was in Vegas for Steelers fans buying up tickets, but has the J.J. The Watt ceremony kept some Steelers fans at bay, do you think? It's a good question. I think that's the hope. I mean, that's you know that that's the catch-22, Tim, about doing the Ring of Honor thing against the Steelers because you want to do it so the whole Watt family can be there, but the flip side is you're doing it with a fan base for the other team that travels better than any other fan base in the NFL. I do think, and maybe you can tell me like the Steelers, the steel, the culture of Steeler fans and just the Steelers as an organization, it feels like Steeler fans will be pretty respectful of what's going on at halftime. Oh, with respectful, Watt. respectful. Yeah. They're going to beg him to come back and play. They still think they should <laughs> sign him before Hayward gets healthy. Respect. <laughs> they might, they might roll out a red carpet to the team flight on the way back. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, so I, I think, look, this is by far the highest price ticket on the secondary market for I the saw Texans that. this year. I, I yeah, saw, and it, I saw it, what it is this week, too. It's like, it's, it's, I think it's the highest price ticket in the NFL. Yeah, it's not. And, it's, and the, I think the next closest game for the Texans on their schedule, ticket price-wise, is the New Orleans game in a couple of weeks, which, you know, proximity to New Orleans from Houston is probably a lot to do with that. A lot of, a lot of Louisiana people live in Houston. Um, it's like a fourth of the price of these Steeler tickets. It's against the Steelers uh, are a mile ahead of everybody else as far as the ticket prices go. So, I look, there'll be plenty of Steeler fans. They just travel. They do. They like their – you know this. Um, so, I, I think I think it'll probably be a little more Texan-y in the stadium with J.J. getting the Ring of Honor uh, induction than it normally would have been in just a normal regular season game against Pittsburgh. But I fully expect, as I'm doing the pregame show out there, uh, in the plaza outside the stadium before the game, I expect expect to be doing a plenty plenty of counting of black jerseys. Oh, there's a Bradshaw, there's a Mean Joe Green, there's a Palomalo. We do that. We kind of count up the opposing jerseys. Like who the who 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 who's the who's generally the winner in terms of Steeler jerseys among the fan base? There, you'll see a lot of Palomalo. Yeah, I'm not sure yeah. if it's regional on the road or not, but yeah. um, of the era that would still travel. Yeah. Because you might some of the older folks that are still clinging on to their literal first Franco Harris jersey, uh, <laughs> they might not be making road trips anymore. But yeah. Palomalu and Ben jerseys are plenty. You can expect that, and I, I do think you will see tons of ninety black and gold Watt jerseys to go along with the ninety nines. I do think you'll I see full, a lot of that. Yep, I fully expect that for sure. So yeah, we're excited about it. Look, at, at, at the heart of this thing, we're excited for J.J. Watt to go in the Ring of Honor, but this win over Jacksonville this win over Jacksonville for the Texans last week has given this city a lot of juice that we haven't had experience with in a while with having a quarterback and winning a, a big road game like that in a division. So the hope is 2-2 two and two after this one. Awesome, Sean. Thanks a bunch, and uh, maybe we'll do it again sometime in the future, okay? Sounds good. Thanks, Tim. Really enjoyed it. Sean Pendergast has been our guest here at the Breakfast with Ben's podcast. Again, follow him at Sean T. Pendergast for updates during the game from the Houston perspective. And you can check him out on Sports Radio 610 in Houston as well. This is the Breakfast with Ben's podcast, Trib Live in the Fans First Network.